Hello and welcome to Americanage. It's Wednesday, the 11th of May, 2016, and it is an all-pro lineup in the house, ladies and gentlemen. And that definitely deserves a round of applause. Semi-pro. At semi-pro with Hollywood. Hey, not just that, though. All-pro lineup and a very special guest. Yes. Make we normally thought, also I'd... say that we've got special guests and the yeah. people are not special. I thought he was yeah. part they're of bums, the They're nobodies, but <laughs> yeah. today that changes. He's part of the all-pro lineup. He is part of the yeah, all-pro don't lineup. Don't be dissing him before you've even well, introduced Well, no, because the all-pro lineup is how we refer to the four of us, but we don't refer to our guests as part of the all-pro lineup. But maybe we'll make an exception in this case because he's making <laughs> his Americanish debut. He's somebody that I and Mike uh, has known for a too long, long time, too long. Way too I've known for a fair amount as well. <laughs> Hollywood's met for the first time tonight, which is very exciting. Uh, he's uh, an author, a sports writer, award-winning sports writer as well. And, uh, and also, his day job, he works for the NFL. So that's a pretty good oh, kick, yeah. pretty good double whammy. David Tossel in the house. Hello, Woo! mate. Hi. Thanks, thanks for having me. It's taken this Thanks long. We've only been going five years to get you on well, the show. I, think, yeah, I was amazed when someone said it was five years. God, yeah. that makes me feel how so they, old. Yeah, how, do, how do they ever stay on exactly. that long? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We were um, on dial-up when we first started. That's a good point, Hollywood. A good point. Uh, so great to have you here. Uh, I think you know people uh, listening to the show will, will probably be aware of both sides of your work. Definitely mm-hmm. work with the NFL. We'll talk about that a little bit later on. Yeah. Hollywood's insisted that when we do talk about that, uh, we, we keep it interesting and I don't ask you any bland questions about is there going to be a London franchise? And I, I have my... My wrist slapped on that, so we'll try and make that a little bit more exciting. You know, later. no one's ever asked him that before. <laughs> no you know, you'd get a bland answer for one. Oh, thing, there you so. go. Yeah, bland question, bland answer. So we'll try and avoid that. Uh, but we'll, we'll, the we'll... CJ Craig of London's NFL. <laughs> what about if we just ask questions about whether there's going to be franchises in market towns around the UK? Oh, I like that <laughs> idea. You nice. can definitely write that off. And Absolutely. Yeah. Like in North, Northampton, you think? I don't know. Yeah, like Mar- Bishop Harbour is a big container. Yeah. I was saying. Actually, they're going to change the name of the town to Market Harbour. Oh, that would be good. Oh, I like that. Um, we're going to start with three points, uh, as we often do, then get into our sports. Three points for anybody new to the show uh, is where each of us recommends something that isn't necessarily sporting related, though it can be. Uh, and bigs it up to you, the Americanish faithful. Before we do, uh, speaking of big ups, Man Cave, our sponsors, loving that. Man Cave. Now, David, one of the things that we do on the show, the Man Cave mailbag. Mm-hmm. Man Cave. Every time we talk about the Man Cave mailbag, which is where people... Man <laughs> Cave. Uh, he's already shaking his head. Every time. What was the over-under on, on Dave shaking his head at Mike? <laughs> one minute at 11. Um, I've that, known hey, him a long time. I was yeah. shaking my head before I even got here. He was shaking uh, yeah. his head before he even knew me. <laughs> Apparently, both of his parents were shaking their heads during okay, the Okay, enough, enough head shaking. Enough head shaking. That's highly likely. Mm. The Man Cave mailbag is where uh, Man our listeners Cave. might get in touch with the show uh, via social media usually, at America if you want to do the same on Twitter or on Instagram or Facebook under the same handle as well but if you're not on social media the website americanish.co.uk lots of good questions which we'll get into in just a bit but we'll start with three points I might why don't you go first yeah. did you know I, w- I was using the man cave aftershave balm you've been using it's a dessert it. topping what do you mean well, <laughs> it's not just an aftershave balm but it's a dessert topping too you've been Delicious. cooking with man yes. cave so put it on ice cream cakes whatever oh God. It's, okay. it's fantastic was that your I was three drinking point? it during marathon training <laughs> Was that your three-pointer? No, 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 it's just a little plug for our sponsor. Um, My three-point is basically I I read a couple of weeks ago, just before I went to the States, coincidentally enough, for the memorial service for my brother-in-law, Henning Mankel's book, Quicksand, um, which is about his being diagnosed with cancer, terminal cancer. Um, But it's not as much a book about his dying as the subtitle of the book is what it means to be a human being. And it's probably the most Swedish thing, piece of art I've encountered in years. It's like having Ingmar Bergman back alive. And by coincidence, Mankel was married to Bergman's daughter. Um, But it's absolutely a brilliant book. It starts off and it's like a series of little vignettes that are like poems by Thomas Tranström, a great Swedish poet who just died recently himself. And um, and then it broadens out, though, as he comes to terms with the fact that he's going to die and then goes to thinking about what it is to be alive. And it really it really then goes on to being um, a f- little philosophical discussion on what it is to be human and what it is to be alive. It's an absolutely brilliant book. Um, and I was really glad I read it before, you know, before going to my brother. What is it to be service. human? What's his conclusion? In summed um, up in an incredibly you, you, short, vulgar way. You basically it's to do the best you can um, and to realize that you aren't going to be there for very long but the nuclear waste hidden in the mountains under Finland is going to be there for 100,000 years. <laughs> it's, I, it's very Scandinavian. On a lighter note, I, Scandinavian, I, yeah. on a lighter note, I'd like to just recommend, and I may have done this before, but with the presidential campaign going on, yes. Charlie Pierce, who is also a great sports writer, 
and and has occasional things in Sports Illustrated's website. But Esquire Politics is where you'll find him at Esquire Politics, um, and he churns out three four pieces a day on a good on a good day. Um, he was talking today about Hillary Clinton and running against Trump. And he said the problem with Hillary running against Trump is, quote, you're not running against a human being. If if you were, the human being that is he, Trump, would have been out of the out of the race before Scott Walker. Instead, you're running against the idea of Trump, against the walking representation of the desire of many angry white people to hawk a loogie at the system and then walk away high-fiving and bro-hugging their way to glory. <laughs> and Charlie just throws out, this just flows out of his out of his computer. Mm. Um, he's one of the great writers in America, and I, I recommend him highly. Two excellent recommendations. Great start, Iron Mike. Hey, it's got me thinking, we should do an Americana uh, election special at some point. That would be fun. Around election guests. day. Yeah, we should do that. We'll have to keep good timing. <laughs> Well. I think we should do a London mayor election election special. <laughs> we missed that. Wasn't that great? It happened last week. Oh. Yeah. Did it go well? Yeah, reasonably. It, it did, actually. Yes. It Depending on which way you look at it. Um, what's your three-point, mate? Uh, well, normally I just have about four things because I can't think of the True. main one that I want to back. But hmm. this week, definitely, Flowers. Flowers was on week before last on Channel 4. Mm. It's probably on when we did the last show, but I hadn't started watching it until quite late in the run. It went out over kind of several consecutive nights. They mm. generally showed two half-hour episodes a night on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. Is this the... one of those baking shows? No. I don't doubt it. I doubt it. No. It's, hard. it's kind of quite hard to categorise, in, but it's just a very dark comedy drama um, about a man who slightly Wes Anderson-esque, mm. but it's very kind of like odd and risky and unlike the type of thing that Channel 4 has done in a long time, but very similar to the type of thing that Channel 4 used to do about 20 years ago. It's got Olivia Colman as mm. the wife of a kind of long-suffering and possibly suicidal children's author played by Julian Barrett oh, yeah. uh, called Mr. Flowers, and they live in a very dysfunctional kind of slightly Wes Anderson-esque cottage uh, in the middle of the home counties um, and sort of over the course of six episodes their family completely falls to pieces and then gets brought back up again initially destroyed by the Japanese lodger uh, who lives uh, who's the illustrator who lives in Flowers's shed at the end of the garden and who I found out after watching an episode mm. the guy playing him Japanese. What? Well, he's not Japanese. Like Mickey Rooney in Breakfast at Tiffany's? A little bit. Wow. <laughs> he's the best thing in it, though. <laughs> right, he okay. is, what abs- is, what he's is so funny that the racism, his... the implicit racism of it. <laughs> What's his ethnic? Well, he is Anglo-Japanese, but he sort of don't talk like that, because that's how he talks in the, like, he talks in this ridiculously broad, like, I would say quasi-racist, mm-hmm. yeah. Like it's, but it's hard to say. But Shun, the character, is a character kind, kind of, of like such... if, if Lloyd Grossman was a samurai warrior. <laughs> a little, bit, weirdly, a little bit. Yes, <laughs> great Actually, casting. I would say that is casting. a good comparison. Yeah, is but... Lloyd Grossman in it too? No, uh, okay. unfortunately not. <laughs> okay. uh, I just can't recommend it enough. Like you will watch it and think this is annoying. It looks like a, a like a really well shot six form play. Mm-hmm. It's one of the most beautiful things I've ever seen on TV. Brilliant. I just think it's Olivia like, Coleman's great. Yeah. yeah, and Julian Barrett too. Every person, single yeah. person in it. There's lots of sort of new people, and it's directed by Will Sharp, the guy who's not really Japanese, um, who mm. does have some Japanese heritage. But his character is very dodgy, mm. but ends up kind of sort of saving the day. Mm. In it's just it's absolutely. Absolutely brilliant. If so you haven't on, watched already, um, 4AD, you can watch yeah. all of it on yeah, what they call all four now, which used to be four AD. Oh, okay. Regardless of what your taste is, it might be too arty for some people, it might be too dark for other people. You'll start off watching it thinking, I don't want to watch this, but I recommend stick with it. It's only three hours of your life. And it's amazing. <laughs> it's now there's amazing. something they yeah. can put up on the advertising. It's only three hours of your life. It's only three hours of your life. I wonder how long it takes to read your book, David. Oh, your latest book, which is your three points. Seamless. Gonna, that wasn't that just. Yeah. Uh, we're going to let you have that as your three points because it's just okay. come out. Yep. The Girls of Summer, it it's is. called. Because, yep. of course, uh, we didn't really qualify this before, but cricket is one of your other passions. It and is. That's what you write about a lot. Yep. Uh, let's read the full title because it's important, right? So The Girls of Summer is the, is the main title. An Ashes Year with the England women's cricket team. Indeed. So you've got pretty decent access for, for the whole year yeah and unlike Henning Mankell's book you won't find out what it means to be human but <laughs> right. you might find out what it means to be a women's cricketer in the new professional era okay. hopefully is so, there any reference to Finland the nuclear waste or is no? there isn't okay. funnily okay. enough oh, but okay. I'm going to have to add yes. a new chapter to the e-book version uh, of the, the, Finnish, yeah. the Finnish cricket exactly. team didn't make it <laughs> they, they didn't they didn't make it into the ashes <laughs> this year so what gave you um, the idea for the book 
you know, I've always wanted to write that kind of fly on the wall, behind the scenes thing. I'm kind of a child of the 70s, one of the first sports books I ever remember reading was Hunter Davis's The Glory Game when mm-hmm. he got access yeah, to yeah. spend the year with, with Tottenham. We were talking about off-air about John Feinstein. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love all of his books, the kind of access he gets. So I've always mm-hmm. wanted to do something like that, and it's so difficult in this day and age to mm-hmm. find a team that will kind of open their doors for now, you. Now, was Paper Lion the first book to do? Was it the sort of first book to do that where somebody got access Someone to a getting major inside yeah. and, um, so he, well he the difference is he was a participant not, yeah, not, a, yeah, not sure, a fly right. on the sure, wall sure. It, it, yeah. he was certainly the first of that kind of book yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I'm not sure it was the first fly on the wall kind of so book. partly you know the England women's cricket team was at a very interesting phase last year was their first year fully professional mm. it was an Ashes series that was going to be completely live on TV and radio for the first time and although you know I'm not saying my book's going to champion the cause of women's cricket a huge amount Because the English Cricket Board are very keen to promote women's cricket, I felt there would at least be an open door there if if I went to them with the idea. And I think, actually, funnily enough, my my background with the NFL helped (laughs) open that door even (laughs) even further. They, you know, I think they... They trusted me. I wasn't, you know, a, a, a tabloid hack who was yeah. going to be going in looking for sort of salacious stories. Mm. You know, I, I work for a, a major sports organisation, so there was a, a certain trust there. Your, your job is basically to stop people from doing exactly, that. exactly, exactly. Yeah, right. Keep keep me out. Um, and yeah, I'm used to, to being around the locker room atmosphere and environment. I wasn't going to go in there and kind of be, you know, too overawed by everything. So I, mm. I think actually, you know, my NFL background definitely helps give them a level of comfort that you know I was a, a reasonably safe pair of hands mm. to be doing a book like that. And how did the players react to you? Was it kind of a gradual acceptance? Were they kind of a bit resistant, a bit sceptical to you? Yeah, be? I think it, 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 you always have to earn people's trust. I mean, and the, and the first person whose trust I had to earn was Charlotte Edwards, the who was up until today the England yeah. England captain. Um, yeah, and so, you know, the, the first time I, I kind of went and watched them train, I, I had a chance to speak to them all at the end of the day, and they were all sort of sitting around this big rectangular table, and I was at the head of it, and I had a chance to tell them, you know, what I was going to do and what, what my plans were for the book. And I was conscious the whole time of, of you know, Charlotte Edwards there in the room. She's much older than the other players. She'd been in the team for nearly 20 years. I didn't want to keep speaking just to her. I was trying to share out the eye contact, but I was mm. aware of all the all the younger players kind of looking at her and sure. taking their lead, and I was trying to gauge every little sort of tick and, and twitch that she had, for, for whether I was going to be accepted or not. Mm. At the end of the meeting, she said she had no problem, so that was kind of like the first hurdle cleared. And then at subsequent discussions with her, it, it became clear that she was very enthusiastic about the idea, said, oh, you should see this, you should do that. And I think the girls just got used to having me around pretty quickly. And, mm. and there's such a, a good bunch of girls and so understanding of of their role in terms of promoting their sport um, and, and feel so privileged to be playing it as professionals now. I think... There again, there was there was an open door to start with, so it wasn't like they were too suspicious of me to start with, and, and I, you know, and I got really friendly with a lot of them. So, what about the writing process? Because you, you have this access, obviously, it's a uh, you know a, a fluid event that mm. takes place over the summer, so mm. you're, you're you're there a lot of the time, and you're taking notes and writing. Do you do you write it all at the end? Do you keep notes all the way through and then sit down and write the book? Do you no, start I, I read it wrote it as pretty much as I was going along for for, for various reasons. One, it was. A, a daunting thought of suddenly having to sit down and write 100,000 words at, at the end of the summer with a, a sort of deadline looming. Mm. So I wanted to write it while it was fresh in the mind, for one thing. And also, I wanted to, even though it's not written in the form of a diary, I wanted to kind of convey my thoughts and feelings and the thoughts and feelings of everyone in the in the changing room. I nearly said locker room there. That's my <laughs> NFL background. In the changing room, um, as it went along, so that you kind of got a sense of of where everyone was and how they were feeling about things at the time rather than doing everything with hindsight a big example of that for example was um at, at the end of the, the series that the head coach paul shaw decided that he was he was going to stand down and retire and he, he subsequently said to me that you know he'd been considering that right from the beginning of the summer so then i had the question of okay do i go back and kind of almost write that in at the beginning that, that, yeah, yeah. exactly but then I felt that it it wouldn't work because all the conversations I'd had with him were on the basis that I didn't know he was thinking about it and and he knew I didn't know so 
his answers were different to what they might have been. So I think trying to retrofit that mm. aspect of it would have knocked the whole thing out of whack. So mm. to answer your question, yeah, I kind of wrote it as I was going. It has more much. impact that way too, doesn't it? The I impact think, stays real when you. I, when I think you, it does. Yeah. yeah, I mean, something happened. You know, I spent three or four days with them. I'd make lots of notes. I wanted to get it get it out there while it was still fresh because as many notes as you you can take you're going to forget stuff six months later. Mm. So I think you want to get it out while it's fresh. Good stuff. So the girls of summer and Ash is here. Hold me the... back before I say something stupid. But I've known <laughs> I've known David since he was, you know, when I first knew him, he was, you know, newspaper hack right. like, like the rest of us. Uh, so he can write. Yeah. He's, he's a good writer. Thank you very it's, much. W- it's worth reading. A seal of approval from Iron Mike. There you go. The girls of summer and Ash's year with the England women's cricket team. It's, available. Now, it's now on tape, too. He can always put exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah, put that on there. Exactly right. That, 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 that could be on the, on the, on the, the, well. on the reprint. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you can get it, of course, from, I guess, all good bookstops, Amazon, uh, bookstops, bookshops, Amazon, and, and all that jazz. All the usual places. All the usual places. We'll put yeah. it out. Harry will pop it out on the. Uh, uh, the Americanish channels as well, so our listeners can uh, Wonderful. see it there. Uh, but speaking of this, Harry, how remiss of me. We haven't said hello to our producer yet. Uh, we've been going, what, 25 minutes? Hey, Don't Harry. encourage him. Very good, mate. Well, I need your help now. That's why I'm bringing you in. So uh, how's your week been? All good? Oh, it's been delicious. Delicious? Interesting. <laughs> Interesting answer. Um, we've got some housekeeping to do, Harry, so let's take care of that. Um, you're going to like this, uh, I think, listeners. And I know that one man around this table is going to particularly like it. We're bringing back Ask Mike, everybody. <laughs> how about that? Oh, yes, very exciting news. Very exciting news. <laughs> Less than enthusiastic the, clapping from around the rest the of the The sound of one hand clapping. Um, <laughs> what are we bringing back? I, Ask Mike. I was asking Mike. I could bring this <laughs> up. I, I can say this because it's fresh in my mind. Yeah. We, we actually had this talk last night, although I don't think it was on the air. I was doing Sky Poker Grudge. Oh, and, yeah, yeah. Uh, How did that in go? the green room, I yeah. think I told this story, but not during the show. But when, when the NFL moved from five to four, mm. and I was lucky enough to be able to move with it, we had a really nice lunch with um, David was there and, and Gary who was coming back you know to host the show and uh, Jamie Aitchison who was the head of um, Channel F- Channel F- uh, well Sunset Four. Vine the, the production company and um, we were talking about formats and stuff like that and um, at some point I realized we talked about all the format stuff and I said well you know what do we do with Ask Mike we're going to continue to Ask Mike and I my memory says it was David, although probably it could have been Jamie, but I th- I'm sure it was David. And he said, we're trying to get away from the cult of personality. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like the kind of thing I would have said yeah. about you, Which, Mike, which yeah. is the first time I'd sort of been compared to Mao Tse-Sung. Yeah. First but not the last, Mike, let me tell you. Hey, well, we're bringing it back right now. We didn't know, we never got, we never got it back on the, uh, on, on the tubes, but we are getting it back on Americanage. Harry, how's it going to work? Our listeners firing questions using the hashtag Ask Mike. Make sure they tag Americanage or, or Man Cave. Uh, and then I, Mike's going to answer the best of them on video. Is that right? Yes, we're going to see his iron face. <laughs> oh, yeah, we've had to, Harry and I were talking about this. We're going to green screen it. So there's going to be you in the studio. And then we're going to put these ridiculous <laughs> backdrops behind you. That's I good. Can't wait I like for that. that. <laughs> 70s cop movies um, going downhill skiing I think was one of the options um, so that's going to be fun uh, so hashtag Ask Mike and that's this week's competition right Harry our favourite Ask Mikes win Man Cave goodies it's simple you get your questions in every question we use you yep. get Man Cave goodies so you Ooh. could legitimately last a whole year on Man Cave by getting all the good questions that's good that is good I think we should have like a think star- of all the desserts you could top <laughs> well plenty and you can use it for other things too Mike I quite um, like the way that you're reinventing Man Cave as a delicious snack it's a little bit like when cornflakes were like hey have you ever had cornflakes at night and it's like wow I definitely appreciate the purity of your motives for yeah. suggesting that I will try yeah. cornflakes to be honest yeah, exactly there was right. an old Saturday Night Live skit where they had a husband and wife doing one of those commercials arguing about whether something was a floor wax or a dessert topping. Ah, okay. <laughs> and the voice came over and said, stop, you're both right. <laughs> there you go. Uh, so hashtag Ask Mike through the Americanage uh, or Man Cave social media channels and you could win Man Cave goodies. Right, let's get some... Before we stop doing that, Nat, you know, there was a competition last week. Oh, really? Oh, there was, of course. Week before last. Memory. Yeah. before last. It was on the Americanage Instagram account. Oh, how's ah. that going, Harry? Have you been on that recently? All the followers, I tell you. <laughs> that means he hasn't been he hasn't been on it at all. Um, okay, he can't well, anyway, find it. Did he can't find it? Uh, did anyone enter Harry the competition? Several people, and it was a, a picture of uh, Nat and Dan and Eric the producer hmm. looking at Dan's laptop, and the question was. What were they looking at? Oh, interesting. And what was the best Hang answer? Hang on a minute. I didn't realise we were doing that as a competition. It was a, a user called Stephen75 mm-hmm. who said that you're watching all of Kobe's missed field goal attempts from the season. 
Ooh, sporting. Ooh, not bad. Sporting we like that. Reference. Very good. Congratulations. So you're the winning man. Kev Goody's winging their way over to you. Right, let's get... I, I'm, I'm also running a rogue Instagram competition now. <laughs> this week, you don't win anything for this, but mm-hmm. I want messages of despair mm-hmm. written in spiralised vegetables mm-hmm. and or cooked pasta. Right, okay. Well, uh, good luck with that, <laughs> listeners. Um, Hollywood's alternative competition. And what do you, you win? You give nothing. the people what they want. Yeah, well, there you go. I, I will, if somebody writes help or... I'm going to be found out in mm-hmm. Fusili, mm-hmm. Uh, then I will personally come around and solve all their problems. For oh, brilliant. Great news. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I'm Mike, do you want to get some NFL sure. moving? Let's do it. Football is my favourite sport. Now let me tell you about the rules. You throw the ball onto your butt and then you kick him in the family jewels. Uh. Well, the big story in football terms this week was a woman named Stacy Foote who was sentenced to 58 months in prison for both stealing $1.9 million from IEWC Global Solutions, an event planner, and selling $55,000 of non-existent Green Bay Packers tickets to <laughs> Packers fans. How could she do this? Well, she was working for an agency. In fact, she represented players like Greg Jennings, Nick Collins, Mark Tauscher, and Ryan Grant on the Packers, which gave her certain credibility to be able to scam them for the sense. The best part was... She she did all this while she was on probation, having been indicted for <laughs> check fraud against the same company that she was scamming as well. Um, she said to the judge that her father had died when she was just 16. Um, she had been divorced twice and was suffering from health issues, and therefore he shouldn't sentence her. Um, and uh, her lawyer asked for the sentence to be reduced so that she could then use the time on the reduced sentence to pay the people back who she had defrauded. With another ticket scam. <laughs> exactly. Um, that was, so that was the big news in the football world. In other news, the NFL um, announced that Super Bowl 52 will be held on the 4th of February in Minnesota. I mean, we knew it was going to be in Minnesota, but the date will be um, the 4th of February. I looked at it and it said 2-4, and I thought, the 2nd of April? Is this another David Tossel's <laughs> April Fool stories meant to fool me? And I had to look, remember that the um, NFL release was done the other way. We di- haven't had a show since the draft, although I've talked about it in other places, so instead of going on for a long time, I'll simply say the teams I thought had the best drafts were Baltimore, Green Bay, Seattle, and Cincinnati, and everybody thought Jacksonville had a great draft, um, and I agree with that completely. The worst drafts, it's hard to tell, but for various reasons, I didn't quite like New Orleans very much, Atlanta very much. I didn't think Tennessee and Cleveland necessarily got the best return they might have from the the um, multitude of picks they accumulated, and I'm not convinced about the Eagles, um, although I like Carson Wentz, and I think he'll probably, he's in a better position to succeed, I think, than, than um, Jared Goff. On the other hand, what do I know? There was a great quote from Jerry Reese uh, responding to criticism of drafting Eli Apple. And you remember that situation. The Giants appeared to actually be going for Leonard Floyd, but uh, Chicago jumped ahead of them and took Floyd. The Giants had also, I remember I thought that Jack Conklin was going to be their pick. Mm-hmm. And apparently the Giants were putting that out as disinformation um, as well, which I didn't know, but they fooled me anyway. Um, but Jerry Reese uh, responding to criticism said, when somebody doesn't know what they're talking about, it's easy to depict it that way because they don't know what they're talking about, which I thought is probably the best GM criticism <laughs> of, of the press in general um, that I've ever seen. And if you want my pick for the undrafted free agent guy to watch, oh, yeah. it's Michael Jordan. Michael wow. Jordan's a cornerback from Missouri Western, six feet something, 200 pounds, went under 4-5 in the 40 and was was uh, drafted or signed by the Rams. I think Michael Jordan might well make the Rams and, and have a little bit of a career in the NFL. He's definitely a gamble. <laughs> Reference to Michael Jordan's gambling <laughs> nice. issues. I like that. like that. Great stuff, Iron Mike. Um, let's dive into the Man Cave mailbag for yeah. the first Cave. time tonight. Uh, James Clark. Hi, James. He says, if Rufus is in the taping with you, will you be wearing <laughs> Laramie Tunsil-style headgear? Now, that's a reference, of course, to a show I, he did. I actually want Laramie Tunsil-style headgear for my avatar on, Ooh, social, nice. on social media. I think that looks so cool. Um, that's a reference, actually, to when Nat... Nat called me for the uh, Nat Coombs All-American Sports Show starring Nat Coombs. <laughs> there we go. Um, and we were talking NFL draft, and Rufus was sitting there, and, and I don't know how he heard you on on the other end of the phone. Yes. But every time Nat would say New York Jets, Rufus would start barking. <laughs> every time <laughs> I said the Jets. It's, it's natural. I've just got him trained really Jets or well. Hackenberg, I think. Either, either yeah. one uh, set him off. Uh, the Sam Bradford uh, holdout, one of the... the, the the weakest holdouts in living memory is, 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 is finished now. He's back. Um, here's a question for the table. If Bradford has a pretty good season, they have a reason. They, they make the playoffs, right? Will 
Bradford be starting the following year? Do you no. Think? He's one uh, year if he has enough. a really good season, it becomes a question. But mm. if it's only a passable one, his contract is structured so mm. they can dump him next year. Mm. He's earning, for this season, I think he gets 17 like 14, mil, yeah. 14 and a half million, which is a reasonable price um, yeah. if he has a good season. But it jumps up to like 22.8, I think, next, in the second year of the contract. And yeah. I, think, I think the contract was designed so they would be able to dump him. You know, they have Chase Daniel sitting there. They've, they've drafted Wentz. Mm. Um, I, you know, I like the idea that Wentz doesn't have to play right away, that he, they have time to to bring him along and you know get him to be what they want but I, I honestly don't see Bradford having such a good season that they'll want to keep him at that price for mm. the second year Did you see the John Elway comments about Paxton Lynch because out of the, the quarterbacks that went uh, early on Lynch seems to be the, the, the biggest project right that's what that's, they said out of, the, out of the top three or four picks and yeah Elway came out and said oh no, he's coming along maybe sooner than people he could be playing sooner than people realise mm. there's no chance that you think that Lynch might be playing in the NFL next season. Do you, do you think you might get some some action? Well, I mean, look who else they've got there. It's not no one's a lock to start there, are they? Mm. So you know, he's he's in a good position. If now it's a question of is it a good position for him to be in, where he is going to get thrown in early, or is he would he actually be better if they were a little bit more solid at that position? And mm. like a Carson Wentz, he knows yeah. he can pretty much sit for a I mean, year Osweiler, and learn it. Asweiler sat for a year basically, right. did. Mm. but and and Lynch is very similar to Osweiler right. physically, but I think he's got a better arm probably. The thing is. You know they got they won the Super Bowl last year with mediocre quarterbacking, right. or, or say average quarterbacking, say you know um, between Osweiler and Manning. So so he doesn't have to be spectacular. Right. Whoever plays, San, I mean Sanchez could do. I, I have full confidence Sanchez could do what those two what, guys what did, Manning last, did year. last year. Yeah. yeah, and just manage the team and yeah. not throw it away. I just, I yeah. just think it's a waste of time for like any team to go back to the idea of sitting someone for a year and building them up and sort of treating everyone as a fixer up and ultimately that kind of there's an opportunity to learn under a more experienced quarterback. That doesn't make any difference nowadays. Hardly any of the quarterbacks that we've been told in the last few years or so were going to benefit from that kind of a deal. Never, they didn't. Well, they like, don't get a chance to. Is is the main well Osweiler ultimately that. did have enough of a chance to show what he had. And I don't sort think of. he has ended up being good enough to justify well, the huge money he's ended ha- up yeah, getting. Well, but Ryan Mallett was like, you know, how many quarterbacks no, have been Mallet, under Brady? Mallett was never, I mean, never but was... everyone who's played under Brady, like, you know, from kind of Matt Castle to, oh, yeah. but the, yeah, the to, point, to Garoppolo. The, the problem, idea is that you sit them and they'll get The problem with using that from, example is that these guys sit watching Brady and don't get a chance to play. Mm. And then they go somewhere else and have to play, and it's not quite the same thing. You you know because you learn within a system. You and and you know the whole draft thing is is you know the, the words I've been looking at for the draft are system fit. You know it's this was a weird draft in the sense that you had maybe half a dozen guys who stood out from the crop, and and the, almost the whole rest of the draft you could look at guys who one team might value in the fourth round, and another team valued mm. in, the, in the second. Um, and it's the same. It's the same kind of thing with quarterbacks. But the, the shadow of Dave, of David Carr hangs over all mm. these quarterbacks. Mm. You throw a guy into you know on a bad team, which is where the best college quarterbacks tend to go is to is to bad teams, and they you know they learn bad habits and they never can shake them off. But how often is the Aaron Rodgers, Brett Favre situation? Played out very in the last six that, years or so. No, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, that's you're the one you're that's referenced right all the time, and it never yeah. it never happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, that's, I think you need to know. You know what you've got can straight you think away. Of one? Yeah. Can no. you think of no. another? No, you're right. Maybe you are better off having a like a Troy Aikman or somewhere. He gets thrown in and he goes yeah. I mean, one and fifteen or whatever, and Peyton he learns Manning's on the yeah. job, and then yeah. and then you know, Peyton Manning's rookie season is one of the best rookie seasons of anyone. It's not a good season, right? Right. But I just feel, I feel with like kind of pretty much every quarterback who's gone in as a rookie, you kind of know straight away whether they're going to be good or not. I mean, I think like you know Teddy Bridgewater, we we knew straight away that this was a, a competent quarterback who was going to probably get better, and that's what's happened with him. Mm. Well, he didn't. I mean, you could argue that his second season was a step back from his first. But that's that's mm. I would say that's because that often happens anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Because people <laughs> have got, you know, they've yeah. got game film on him now, so they can yeah. they can have and, a look and, at I, and they didn't give him much to work yeah. with, you know, in terms of receivers. Well, as, as a Jets fan, I'm kind of very curious to see how Christian Hackenberg's mm. going to work. Because a lot of I mean, oh, almost do they have a quarterback? <laughs> <laughs> they, have, they have plenty. <laughs> Too many. Almost yeah. uh, everybody to a man vilified that pick, and mainly because it, even if he does well, if he turns out to be a, a, a solid or better starter then it's a genius pick but generally speaking he could have it was widely considered he could have dropped the third maybe fourth round so they reached far too much for him 
Is that is that fair? Do you that, think? Well, I mean, that's that's what everyone says, isn't it? I mean, he's one of those picks we're only going to really know in two or three years' time whether mm. it was good or not. You know? <laughs> unless, unless, well, unless yeah. they have to play. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, in the back of my mind, I just keep thinking if Chan likes him and if Chan thinks he can work with him, then he's got a shot at it because I think he's a really good, starting the yeah. season, a really good handler of quarterbacks, and he, he he kind of doesn't ask them to do things they can't do. You know, he's had success. I keep going back to Tyler Thigpen. But he had pretty good success in Kansas City with Tyler Thigpen, who, who could never do anything else any, anywhere else. Mm. Um, but one of the things we do in the draft, looking at it, and it's, it's true of everybody, I think, who analyzes the draft, is, is you look at the value. And, yeah, Hackenberg is not worth a second-round pick. Well, it could be that they thought Houston would take him in the third round and they were, before they would get a third-round pick. So they mm. had to go for him there. You know, that may, I mean, that it just, it's just one of the scenarios. But the mm. fact is, if Hackenberg works out, he was worth the second-round yeah, pick. Sure. If, yeah. And if he doesn't, they've overspent. But any guy who works out is worth whatever you paid for him. But I think it's also like a lot of the time we look at whether a pick is any good or not based on what the other, how the other teams potentially valued him. Mm-hmm. I think you re- actually you've got to really look at where the obvious gaps within a roster are. And if... The team does have huge holes they're not filling by overreaching to get a quarterback who possibly isn't even necessarily that good. That's a terrible decision. But I think with the Jets this year, that's an exciting roster. There are holes to fill, but it's actually it's a good it's yeah. already a good team. And I think therefore you can take a risk and you can kind of get a young promising prospect. A good, a good example of kind of going for uh, positions that you don't necessarily need or sexy positions that you don't necessarily need would be what the Colts did in the first round last year. That was a complete waste of time because they had obvious holes <laughs> yeah. on that team and they're filling them with yeah. season ticket players who will sell tickets and who play in positions that will sell jerseys. I don't feel the Jets were doing that. Yeah, what Kerry Byrne calls shiny hood ornaments. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, moving on from quarterbacks, what did you make of the, the Cameron Wake re deal in Miami? Do you think it was value? No. I mean, in financial terms, no. But again, if he comes back at 100%, mm. and which they kind of need him to do, then mm. yeah, I guess so. Um, but he, the, you know, the, we, we look at it again from the outside. Here's a guy who's suffered a serious injury and he's at the age where he's more likely to suffer more serious 34 injuries. 34 now, isn't he? Yeah. yeah. Um, um, so the highest, why, why give him the big money? Highest paid uh, deal for anybody of that age in that position. Um, so breaking a record there. Hey, David, you're not the only one with a book out, by the way. Richard Cox has got in touch via the Man Cave mailbag. Man Cave. Thank you, Mike. Have any of you got your Tom Brady cookbook yet? Have you seen this? <laughs> have you read? Have you ordered your copy, Mike? No. Yeah, I, didn't know, I didn't know he had published you a cookbook. Seen, have you seen the cookbook? Uh, I, I saw it's for the whole it was coming does, out. Does yeah. he do the cooking no, in the house, not Giselle? Uh, well, apparently, so TS, it's based on his TS12 brand, uh, TB12 brand, isn't it? So it's something to do with that. Uh, there's an article that Richard has Sent, uh, so none of us know about this Tom Brady Cooper. What are we even doing? Uh, in The Guardian, uh, which, let's see if I can open that up. Uh, let's see. I haven't even got my Tom Brady 12.5 shirt. Yeah. Covers yeah, are made from natural wood bucks. with a laser edge TB12 logo. It costs $200. It's TB12. $200? Yeah. TB12 nutrition manual. It's already sold out. Does uh, it come Mike, with the food? On the website. Uh, <laughs> 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 comes with some man cave garnish, but nothing, not much. Else. There you go. Uh, wow. Interesting stuff. Also, that Scott shall have. We'll do another question, <laughs> then we'll move on to a bit of NBA. Uh, this was from Jamie. When are we going to see a franchise in Vegas? That may, might be one for you, David. Oh, I'm Vegas? staying out of that. You're not going to get me talking about franchises in Vegas. <laughs> no, okay, all right. I, well, I do you... remember talking about Vegas. I remember back in the old NFL Europe days yeah. because we had training camp all in one place. There was a, a period where we were looking at seriously, or semi-seriously, we should say, maybe uh, holding NFL Europe training camp in Vegas because nowhere in the, in the States are hotel rooms cheaper than in, than in Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I think people realised that maybe there was a few more problems than, than, <laughs> yeah. than the morning, The morning that. line at Caesars Palace <laughs> yeah. on Frankfurt versus Cologne. <laughs> oh, yeah. Carlson and Vegas. Although the league has sent out signals that they're kind of they're kind of more what would you say more willing to more consider open to, yeah, yeah possibly um, or what was Peter Mandelson's thing you know extremely relaxed about <laughs> you know because yeah. the, I look at the world we live in people are gambling mm. on everything you mm. know online and you know and, and I know the concern is different because mm. the concern is you don't want players you know you don't want them sitting next to gamblers yeah. uh, having dinner and yeah. you know, but I mean, I can see it from a business perspective, but I think, like, if I were Oakland fans and that happened, I think that would be even that would be considerably harder to swallow. Speaking of a business perspective, did you see that um, 
that uh, Dana White is looking to sell UFC for four billion dollars. Really? I remember, and I'm old enough, not you know, not that old, but I'm, I remember when Dana White bought it, and, and it was a failing business, mm. you know, and they bought it for like fifteen million dollars or something like that, and that wasn't well, maybe fifteen years ago. So when did UFC ago? start? Well, it was it was running. Mm. You know, there were a bunch of promotions running, and then he, they they it was going bankrupt, and they came in and bought it, mm. and uh, you know, and now it's four billion dollars. Maybe billion. Don King will buy it. Or Donald Trump, a Trump King double act. Trump King double act. Don, actually, Don King could be his like secretary of. You know, education. <laughs> I'd like to see those two fight. Bit of gouging. Well, we can maybe arrange that for you, Hollywood. But in the meantime, how do you fancy doing an NBA roundup? If I must. Okay. The court is shining, the ball is round, but damn, I can't stand that squeaky sneaker sound. The Kia MVP has been announced. Yes, that's the most valuable player has been announced by the S. CCE, the shittest car company ever, uh, allegedly. Uh, it's Steph Curry. Why even bother to debate it? Not only did he win for the second year running, he's become the first player in the history of the NBA to get all 131 first choice votes. He is the unanimous victor. LeBron and Shaq both missed out by one uh, vote in years past. He didn't quite. Uh, Leonard was second. Westbrook and Durant came third and fourth, becoming the only uh, the first players in the top five uh, to make it from the same team since Shaq and Kobe. Uh, in basketball matters in the East, Atlanta overcame uh, Boston in six after a crazy game five, with one, where one of the worst shooting performances in playoff history suddenly became one of the best as Kyle Korver and Kent Bazemore poured it in. Then they uh, they've ended up meeting Cleveland in a rerun of last year's Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, but they got swept again. The Cavs now um, shoot from behind the curve every single time they get the ball, just like the Golden State Warriors, and they found it pretty easy to overcome Atlanta without dropping a single game. Uh, Miami and Toronto made it past Charlotte and Indiana in seven, and they have quite the Donnybrook going in the other Eastern semifinal. Despite Kyle Lowry stinking up the joint, the Raptors forced an OT in uh, game one with a half-court heave on the buzzer, uh, it's now 2-2 after Larry found out, fouled out of the game the other night, uh, letting the Miami Heat back into it. Uh, the West In the West, uh, OKC and the Spurs made it through easily against Dallas and Memphis. And it's looking currently like OKC are just going to force themselves through uh, after a, a great performance by Westbrook uh, the other night. Um, uh, that's now 3-2. Uh, meanwhile, Steph Curry's GSW looked like closing out against the Trailblazers, who made it through against the beat-up Clippers. Steph came back in Game 2 despite suffering a nasty knee injury against Houston in the, f- uh, the previous round. But it's pretty straightforward. A two-game lead uh, and points across the, co- the court. Game 3, the Blazers were back. And in Game 4, they took it to the Warriors in overtime. That was before S- uh, Steph Curry dropped 40 points and <laughs> made almost every shot he... Uh, sort of came forward. alive in the overtime. Everyone else can go home now. It's going to be the you, you got to like Warriors. you got to like um, what's his name, Sean Thompson, uh, who was you know replacing Curry. Mm. Um, Curry's back now. They're going to try to give him a few minutes, and so Sean Thompson gets thrown out of the game <laughs> in the first quarter. <laughs> so he's got to play that's the rest of the game. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's that's good thinking. Unanimous. I mean that that was something that really stood out. The fact yeah. that in the history of the NBA, there hasn't been a unanimous no, winner. There's before. only been one in the NHL, which was Wayne Gretzky in mm. the year he scored 92 goals, which was kind of unanimous. Mm. But um, I think people have sort of running out of ways to think of where Steph Curry fits in the history of basketball because no one really thought this was ever going to be a conversation. Even on all the promise when we used to talk about him on Americanage a couple of years ago with his incredible accuracy from behind the line, you know, we thought this was a very unique player. But last year we didn't really think at the beginning this was potentially a prospect for MVP. This year, we thought there was no way that this was going to be the most improved player in the league, who had one of the best seasons yeah. that we've ever seen in the league. And this year, I think there's no comparison for what he's done. You, you he's playing that, the game in a totally yeah, different way. You watch that game when he came back, and he's missing all his shots, but he's still dishing the ball off. Mm. You know, with fantastic, for the fantastic passing and, and assists, it was it was great. Um, and uh, it, it, we should have Kevin here because Kevin always was talking. He talks about stars mattering, you know. And and he and I were both liking San Antonio in, in mm. this playoffs because of the team play. But against Oklahoma City, it was Durant in the game before they've won twice now in San Antonio. Durant one time, and then Westbrook, yeah. like Dan, Dan said, had just a fantastic game last night, just overpowering. And San Antonio doesn't really have 
the star to step up and carry the team anymore, you know, because their great players are, are kind of old. And well, but San Antonio should be winning that, I think so that too. series, I and especially you. watching the game the other night. I mean, OKC they're a better, play the they're same a better way. team. Yeah. Well, but OKC but score OKC crazy amounts of points. Two guys but, who can score, yeah, and two guys who turn the ball over constantly, <laughs> and they were still doing that, and they still won. I mean, the amount that OKC give the ball away, it's comparable probably only to like the Sixers. <laughs> this is a team who cannot keep the ball in their hands. They, you know, if you can't get like kind of four or five steals against the OKC, yeah. you ain't doing it right. And there's yeah. no way that OKC on paper should be beating the Spurs because the Spurs mm. have. And I think it's great that Kawhi Leonard, who's often written off as a kind of system player, was recognised and got you know second place in the MVP. Although that's going to be forgotten. Well, about I think in with them, very quickly. you know, Dior's been hurt and Duncan's old, and and they just the big men. They don't have that presence inside that they need. They need to do. The other one that's weird is the, mm. is the Raptors against the yeah, Heat, right? Yeah, yeah. I thought that one was decided 65 million years ago. <laughs> <laughs> nice time, Mike. Hey, I'm glad you brought that up there because out of the two of those, who will be the sterner test, do you think, for Cleveland uh, in the Eastern Finals? Out of that, who do you well, think I would have said Toronto mm. if you'd asked me before. But the Kyle, Kyle Lowry's just yeah. too inconsistent mm. now. I mean, you know, he's a player with all the talent in the world, but he's not displaying a huge amount of it. That game in game one was very odd. I mean, it was that shot from halfway to on the buzzer uh, to send the game into overtime was like something from a high school sports movie. Mm-hmm. But then he was just rubbish in overtime. <laughs> it's like, why did you bother making that shot if you're going to do that? It's the heat. The it heat was like Ted him. Cruz in Hoosiers. <laughs> I, 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 it's the same. It, it absolutely. <laughs> has to be the same two teams who made the final last year this year yeah. they're the best two teams in basketball I mean Curry's performance was quite tiny because uh, the Golden State Warriors and months have been the favourites but Cleveland have emerged as certainly the bookies favourites in the last couple of weeks well Cleveland have started to play like the Warriors mm. yeah. you know they are just they are draining threes from all over the court and Kevin Love's looking good in a way that he hasn't really since he left the T-Wolves Will they make it if they do make the finals? Though will they keep that up? Can you beat the Warriors at their own game? Mm, I would guess no. Mm. It's I t- funny. <sighs> it's it, but again, it's you go back to the star kind of thing. Can can LeBron actually you know carry them? Can he raise his game? Does you know is he going to to do that? Do they have the thing is I think they can d up. They d up on him pretty well. Mm. Um, I don't, like. I think it's so. It seems so obvious that the Warriors are going to win again. It would seem a total injustice, considering what this team has achieved this year, for them not to win the NBA championship. Mm. That I'm going to put. I'm going to put thirty or forty quid on. Well, wait on a minute. The, on the Cavaliers. Wait a minute. Wait a minute, Harry. How much do we have in the American bank account? We got thirty or forty quid. We've got 30 or 40 quid. That's incredible. I'm playing on the Cavs. You can do a deal with Harry and put that on there. Fair enough. I'm with you. I'm with you, Hollywood. Before we move on, because you're doubling up with some hockey, uh, a question from Rich via the Man Cave mailbag. Man Cave. He's got a theory about Steph Curry. Is he actually a basketball cyborg sent back from the future? That would be a great film. I was watching, yeah, I mean, watching his comeback, uh, not, yeah, watching his comeback game, there is something increasingly strangely robotic about him. Mm. I don't think he's human. He's, it, it's <laughs> funny, it's, it's, he's got these kind of herky jerky m- motions. Yeah. Which, are, you know, are kind of like that m- m- mechanical man. Uh, which might be honest. You know, they're doing a remake of Space, or not a remake, a sequel to Space Jam. A sequel, are they? Yeah. Are they really? Yeah, I mean, this is an idea whose time has come, right? Yeah, right. But who's Jordan's in it? Is he in it? I don't again? know. I don't know. I just heard this in passing. Well, we like, could try, try to get you again. My ears, my ears, it's like you talk about cyborgs. My ears just closed just, up yeah. when, they, when they heard that. Some idiots throwing basketball. In other news, I've been hired to do basketball again um, at the Olympics. Oh, congratulations, man. Um, but I'll be in doing it for the host broadcast operation. So I'll be at the, you know, doing it off tube in, in the broadcast center. So there's no chance of a basketball hitting oh, me. Oh, Try and do some kind of clip that goes viral globally. Unless like that. somebody <laughs> comes into my booth really. and throws a basketball. Let's do that. Shall like it be arranged? <laughs> yeah. Dave, what are you doing in August? <laughs> what, <what's me> <laughs> Throwing basketballs at my by the sound of it. Rather come at Terry. And I don't, want you, I don't want you to be bringing back the Zika virus either. Mm. No, I don't so, either. No. Uh, no pregnancy while you're out there. <laughs> okay. I'll try. Uh, let's move on. A very appropriate segue to uh, the NHL playoffs. Hollywood, like I say, you're doubling up, so take it away. Okay, fine. Hey, girl. You know we've been together for a long, long time now. Next week is my birthday and all. So I was thinking, what would be really hard is if you grew a mullet, put on some skates and cross-check me into the bedroom wall. 
The conference semi-finals are drawing to a close and for the second year running, the Tampa Bay Lightning will be one of the East's finalists. They obliterated the momentarily fancied New York Islanders who had gone from uh, not winning a playoff series since 1993 to suddenly being everyone's sneaky pick for the Stanley Cup champs. The kind that won't win, but who will reflect well on the person who casually predicts they will win, (laughs) even though they won't win. But just in case they do win, which they won't, I give up. Anyway, uh, they're out. Despite being without Steven Stamkos and Anton Strowman, the Lightning are just about beating everyone up. And when John Tavares of the Islanders couldn't score, he's been scoring against everyone. It's fairly clear that the Bolts would win it. They'll play Washington uh, or Pittsburgh. I wrote this last night. It is yeah, now actually Pittsburgh. Yeah, it is Pittsburgh. now Pittsburgh. Washington's uh, done it again. Washington yeah. has done it again. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, that's uh, that's a terrible shame, isn't it? Um, uh, Pittsburgh were three up uh, the other night, and uh, um, the, the Caps came back and then still lost. In the West, uh, the Sharks and the Predators have split six games after San Jose cruised to a two-game lead with Logan Couture and Brett Burns, uh, Brent Burns rather, scoring for fun. But the Preds just won't say die. Uh, and it's going to go to Game 7 there. Meanwhile, Dallas and St. Louis have also split six six games in a series that's probably played in front of the two cities that give the least of a shit about (laughs) hockey in the world. Uh, It has actually been a really interesting series. Jamie Benn is probably the best player in the postseason so far. He's got 12. Uh, And Rob Elliott of the Blues, who's pretty much... uh, Like all Benns, he plays on the left wing. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, Rob Elliott of the Blues is pretty much the most uh, kind of reliable cornerstone of, of any team but he shipped three goals and seven shots on Sunday <laughs> night and then he got pulled uh, his replacement <laughs> Jake Elliott played pretty well uh, no more goals and almost a comeback the big question is now who Ken Hitchcock is going to put in for the deciding game Hi it's Harry the producer Americanish listeners I look out there and I see that the men amongst you have the sort of natural masculinity which is hard to find these days you don't need to make a fuss you just get things done that's why it's only right that Americanish is sponsored by Man Cave a range of grooming products that perform without all of that fuss and bother they don't need to shout they're made with all natural ingredients and are certified cruelty free that's why we're proud to be sponsored by Man Cave is there any confusion when the sharks play the predators because sharks are predators, aren't they? Yeah, it's, it's almost tautological, isn't it? Yeah, you're right, actually. I, I wonder if anybody, uh, any hockey commentators, have that power of language to point that kind of thing out. Barry Melrose. I do think so. I think you should... Um, I plus think, the mullet. He's got the power of language. you should be commentating on the Stanley Cup final this year. But it's, it's odd that the West is just... I mean, you could arguably say that the uh, the Western Conference is pretty much like this across the board. It's kind of uh, good teams playing in, in cities where they don't really love hockey. But the semi-finals this year are, with the exception of possibly Nashville, which we sort of established the other week is a hockey town. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> kind of. Presumably a week where Mike wasn't here. Yeah, I think <laughs> so. I, no, but I, I, I went to Nashville in the... Uh, I went to Nashville last year and there was there is at least kind of some acknowledgement that hockey is being played at some point of the year downtown when hockey is not being played. Um and Do you mean like snow hockey? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> some snow hockey. The snow people come. Um but San Jose I've also uh, been to and um you know that's the Sharks I think have pretty much tried the patience of the San Jose crowd and they've got San Francisco they've got the San Francisco 49ers to watch now it's one anyway. of the least impressive arenas I've ever seen at least from the outside what San Jose yeah it looks like a warehouse that someone stuck up in the middle it's of, very of unimpressive from the inside as well yeah. actually so I wouldn't uh, I wouldn't make a point of going there Dallas on the other hand is a, is a good hockey arena <laughs> much like the Americana studios listeners if you want to <laughs> hey um, we're going to move things along because we've got, we've got a discussion we're going to do with uh, David at the end of the show we want to get a bit of baseball in before we do that right. some uh, Man Cave mailbag Mike Man Cave Here's one from Craig Hickman. Um, has there been a more shocking home run than Bartolo Colon's 42 <laughs> years young? Of course, that was his first it's ever oldest, home run. Oldest player in baseball history to hit his first home run. And apparently, uh, they unsurprisingly released the merchandise pretty much straight after that and sold out of virtually everything. Oh, uh, they released I mean, his trot around the bases. Was, <laughs> it was like he was, you know, it was like he was going to die before he got around. Would you rather base? see run around the base after a home run, Vince Wilfork or Bartolo Colon? Who would actually go around them faster? That would be a great match race. Yeah, to be, race to them be head to head. It's a great argument against the DH. You know, 
just the one moment where you might get a fat 42-year-old guy who hits a home run and then has to, like to has to run around the bases hefty, for the hefty. first time in his life. Uh, Big Pappy got... Uh, he's up Big to Pappy second now on, on the... Fire. He's on fire. And against the Yankees as yeah. well. Getting, and he got uh, ejected from a game, too. He is just... Yeah. And um, if he's only 40, I mean, they're the old... The umpires the Ron Culpa, who is... What, what was it? 2000, 2001... Um, Carl Everett headbutted him mm. in a game, and he's basically held it against the Red Sox ever since. <laughs> ever since. But it was great because he called a pitch that was exceedingly borderline mm. a strike. It, it it may have nicked it may have nicked the strike zone as it went four feet wide, and the catcher dove for it to stop it going through. But but I looked at it and thought that that could be a strike, and he called it a strike. And and Farrell came out and got ejected, mm. and then the next pitch was. This high off the ground. I'm, what I'm doing is holding my fingers apart about the the length of Ted Cruz or Donald Trump. Okay, okay, move on. You know, fingers. <laughs> yeah. um, and um, he called it strike three, and it was so blatantly obvious that he was going to call anything straight. You know, he could have rolled, he could have Trevor chappled the ball. You know, in, in a, <laughs> and it would have been called strike three. And then Pappy got he went to the dugout, then came back and got ejected. Um, that was the low point of my my week, my two mm. weeks um, on site. So good times for the uh, Red Sox. Job. I have to say, online, they mm. finally got it. You know what? What clips and clips packaging and stuff? Up, sure. Yeah, it's like it's like the NBA twenty years ago when mm. you know when Sports Center Michael Jordan stuff started coming. They're getting great stuff on. They're picking out good the right moments from games. Mm. You know, and, and not necessarily to tell the story of games, but the stuff that people who just like watching you know fun pictures will watch. I mean, obviously, you write about cricket, David, as you talked about earlier. Does that make you automatically interested in baseball because of the, the obvious? I, I became a. a a massive baseball fan in the in the early to mid eighties, and was a big fan of the Mets. Loved the eighty six team. Mm-hmm. Boy, you um, can pick them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the, 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 when I was at, when I was at today, the best assignment I had if this was nineteen ninety, soccer was you know in the doldrums here. It was before the Premier League, and they said you know find a sports team in in the states, go and spend three or four days with them, do a comparison with how they, they run and and how English football team runs. So I said, great, and it was August, and so, you know. Have the New York Mets okay? He said, yeah, great. So I went out and spent four days around them. They won every game. Daryl Strawberry, who's my all-time favourite baseball player, hit a grand slam in the home in the, in the last game of, of the homestand. It was an absolutely fantastic four days. Came back, they never used the piece at all. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> never, I you know, ages riding it. They, oh, no, no, they never had enough space. Was, but great, so it was like Who a, cares, a, a yeah, paid a holiday, holiday to go yeah. and spend four days with the New York Mets. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't follow it quite as closely as, as I used to. I mean, I used to do it all. I used to play the old sporting news fantasy baseball where you had to you had to make a phone call to, to, to change your to change your team and pay like two yeah, dollars and pay two dollars. You know, they had you had to lodge your credit card and you had to pay two dollars every time you wanted to change your picture or something. And, and that's, that's My God crazy. might you be bankrupt I with would, your fantasy yeah, exactly. style. Yeah. yeah so so you know I don't Do you still have the piece? Sorry? Do you still have yeah, the piece? I'm a, in my, just in case. Yeah. Just in case. Yeah. Well, yeah. This Retro is the kind piece. of thing you put online. Exactly. You know, yeah, exactly. The lost I hadn't seen the blogs coming in 1990. <laughs> you know, so, yeah. uh, Strawberry was a great player who is severely undervalued, partly because mm. of his pro- off-field problems. Right. And partly because he spent his whole career in two extreme pitchers' parks, you know, right. the, the Dodgers and the Mets, right. so that his hitting stats are, you know, are diminished yeah. by by that yeah. considerably. He was, I like, mean, he was a he, good, he was a he good was contributor to the Yankees as well when he yeah. came into the very end of his career yeah. as well. Um, so. We'll stick in one more baseball question uh, from James by the Man Cave Mailbag. Man Cave, thank you, Mike. Uh, what's fueling the renaissance in Chicago with both the baseball teams, pitching. Of course, the two best pitching, records in baseball, pitching and, pit- and young players? They, you know, you saw it last year at the end of the season. They brought up um, what three or four guys and put them in the lineup and they all hit mm. so they've got a great young lineup um, you know Rizzo's only what 26 now um, and, and they've got great pitching Arietta's mm. just you know on fire pitched around Strasburg um, Lester, didn't, didn't, want, any you know, of, didn't Le- want any of that Lester's their number two and um, he's pitching really uh, well Strasburg Harper pitched around yeah. Harper the other night um, now, but, I'd, I'd and, like and they've got Joe Madden I, 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 want, I should have mentioned that right at the top Madden yeah. is you know we've talked about him before when he was in Tampa Madden's just a great manager you know when I worked for baseball he came over doing clinics he's just a, a smart um, wonderful guy who who can make all kinds of of weird um, connections in things, but yeah, he mm. they walked Harper six times and, and hit him once. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah. So he was it's the first guy in Major League Baseball history to get on base seven times. That's right. Getting, that's right. And at bat. 
uh, Strasbourg's <laughs> in my brain because, of course, he signed a re-up to big, a big huge deal with him. Yeah. Um, but James's question was, uh, I guess, both teams, the White Sox, everybody saw the Cubs having a strong year. Yeah, but that's, the White more, Sox that's more of a surprise. surprising. But again, they've got some pretty good pitching. I think they'll fizzle mm. out, though. I don't think they can last they won't the, sustain whole, it. the whole season. Um, the... Um, the other big news, oh, gift-wise, you know, online, did you see Yasiel, mm. Yasiel Puig in the one game against Colorado, which is a mo- monstrous part. Colorado's mm. got the biggest outfield in the league because of the altitude and the, the ball's going. He threw out a guy at third base from right center field, just above the wall. The ball bounced off the wall. He picked it up with his bare hand and threw the guy out at third, mm. who was trying for triple. And then about two hundred later, he throws a guy out at second from the deep corner of right field. Mm. And you, you got to think at some point, these guys are going to say, maybe we ought not to run on him. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. it, it was amazing. The other big news in baseball, though, Justin Verlander mm. got engaged to Kate Upton. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, there were like hundreds of suicides around America. I'm not surprised. Sad, <laughs> not sad guys surprised. throwing themselves into their computers. Kate, was you were mine. Um, I thought hey, you meant on females, you? because Justin <laughs> Valander had been taken. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, give us a couple of good baseball books. I mean, uh, there's the great baseball cricket book. Uh, well, a great, good great baseball cricket book is the Ed Smith playing hardball. I like, enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, cool. Um, I'll put you on the spot a little bit. Yeah, do, do you know, I... Again, as a Mets fan, I don't know if anyone remembers um, a book. You might probably know this. Do you remember the book called The Curious Case of Sid Finch? Yeah. Um, um, that was, what's his name? Um, George Plimpton. Yes. Yeah. No. Was it? Yes. Yeah, yeah was it was. George yeah. Who's this, this kind of Buddhist monk who, get, who gets <laughs> sort of discovered in you know, outer Mongolia or something, and, and he, he joins the Mets, and his, he has this pitch where... Exactly, yeah. And that's, I just... <laughs> I can't remember the story, but I just remember absolutely loving it. Yeah. Another book I really, really loved is um, Roger Kahn's lesser-known book, mm. um, Good Enough to Dream, where mm, he he takes over the running of a minor league baseball oh, club you know, I've never for read a year. That. It yeah. is really good. And again, kind of coming back to what I was talking about earlier, about, you know, that, that sort of following a team for the year you really kind of find yourself rooting is it like for somewhere him. in upstate yeah. New York yes it, yeah. uh, uh, Oneonta Oneonta yeah yeah, okay. yeah. and that's I, mean, I read that in the late 80s early 90s um, and you know it's not the book he's obviously remembered for but, it, but it's so good he kind of goes in and he becomes the general manager and everything of this so it's a great insight into kind of small town America as part, part of I'd say it's else. probably less so now I mean like I think in yeah. the last 10 years people have written better books about other sports there's been more you know it's like sports writing is, mm. but but I think inarguably up till about 15 years ago you know there was much more great writing about baseball than probably any sport any maybe sport. all of the sports wow. put together right. apart maybe from boxing yes uh, In, interesting comparison here that you always used to be that you know the, of the you the British sports cricket used to be the one that attracted the great literature yeah. and, and the greater volume of books but in the last 20 years it, the, the balance of power has shifted if you like and there's, mm. there's now more books written about football yeah. because football has become s- such a, a monolith mm. and also the quality of writing in football is, I think has, you know, has come up and maybe even surpassed mm. certainly equal to, to the cricket it's no longer it's no, it's no longer an embarrassment to have a load of football books it's, on your yeah. bookshelf. It's funny because <laughs> yeah, right. nobody, nobody now kind of knows who the great cricket writers are because they get so much less exposure right. in, in their own papers. You know, yeah. they used to have the back page, um, all you know, always, and and now they don't. Uh, my I guess my favorite cricket book is still probably C.L.R. James, uh, you know, Beyond, Beyond the Boundary, Boundary yeah, you know, which is yeah. one of the best sports books ever. Right. What about cricket broadcasters? Who are your favorite broadcasters over the years? Over the years, I mean, John Arlott, I think anyone from, from my age, just the tone of his voice that just could, you know, just send you off to a, a different world. Again, today, we heard the death of Tony Cozier. Oh, Tony Cozier Tony died? Tony yeah. today, oh, um, late, was, late afternoon. He was nice. Again, yeah. I saw someone say that, you know, you just had to hear his voice and you were transported to Barbados. Yeah. You know, and, and, and for, again, for someone of my age who grew up with the great West Indies teams of the 70s and yeah. 80s, he was just kind of like the soundtrack to that team. I, mean, I remember watching it on TV with the sound down and listening to him commentating on BBC and Radio. When these, mm. And when these teams were destroying people, Tony Kozier made it all seem quite reasonable and civilized. Right, right, <laughs> right. yeah. And his death seems like another... 
uh, great loss for West Indies. And cricket. discovering he yeah. was white yeah. was one of the one of the great. Right. Was like sure. discovering yeah. Keith Jarrett was white. Yeah. You know, yeah. huh? <laughs> Where'd that come from? <laughs> Nowadays, you can't beat Mike Atherton in my book, both mm. as a writer and a broadcaster. Mm. My favourite baseball commentator, mm. Dave Niehaus. Why are you a fan of him? I guess okay. I could, only recently I heard that Macklemore song <laughs> about Dave okay. Niehaus. Have you ever heard that? No. It's on his um, uh, his multi-million selling album, but it's uh, because no one ever listens to the album tracks. He's yeah. got a song about how much he loves Dave Niehaus and how he grew up um, listening to the Mariners on the radio and how he's instantly transported back to his... It's called My Oh My. Mm. It's actually really kind of quite a beautiful song by an artist I don't particularly rate. Uh, about kind of uh, his relationship with sport and how it reminds him of his kid, uh, yeah. of his childhood. Mm. I definitely recommend it. Go on YouTube now, listen to that. You wow. know who might have made a really good cricket commentator was Mike Brearley. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I've talked to him, so I'm mm. not sure. I don't know if he would have actually, like, gotten into the whole idea of doing it. But his books... Oh, sure. Yeah. Know, beyond, um, about captaincy the is, captaincy. is really yeah. good. And, and the other one that he did with Dudley Doust, um, who's a good cricket writer as well. Right. Um, I can't think of what the, what the title of it is, but they were they're very good books. Yeah, yeah, it's like guess, Phoenix from the Ashes. Right. Mm. Yeah. I guess you never know with, with someone who obviously knows the sport inside out whether they're actually going to take to broadcasting yeah. itself. Mm-hmm. Do you? I mean, it's you know, same with anything, isn't it? Mm. Any, yeah, because it's like Mike, Mike really does know a lot about NFL, <laughs> <laughs> but you would never know it to listen to him. Yeah. Right. Listen, before they, we let you go, David, um, Hollywood's prepared a bit of chat for you. So mm. well, I think we'll do the best places in the U.S. We'll do that one, Hollywood. Yeah, right time. that's a fun definitely. One to well, yeah. I think. I think um, the... Uh, Don't worry. We're not going to throw you under the bus. Favourite small towns outside Atlanta. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> the listenership, I, li- I think, likes it when we talk about uh, when we talk about places to go and uh, inside information about the cool places to go in the US when you do have a, a trip over there. And God knows, you've no one's been to the US more than you have. Ever. Is that fair to say? I think that's fair to say. I'm saying yeah. it. Okay. In this room, maybe? Yeah. I don't, yeah. Well, yeah. No, I don't, I think, I don't I count because I was... But, yeah. Born in the US. Okay, uh, so we're going to rapid fire, right? So Nick the- Hollings been to more American states than I have. With all this boxing these days. Well, mean? even in the right. old days. Yeah, he makes a point of doing Is Nick Hollings fighting people now? No, no, yeah. he's well, the boxing commentator for Sky. He's, a, yeah. he's not <laughs> actually boxing. He's a carnival. Right. He's okay, fighting let's go Rapid fire. So the best hotel you stayed in in, in the States? Uh, the... W in New Orleans. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Nice. ooh, New Orleans hotels are damn expensive as well. Hey, we didn't get the W when we went to New Orleans. Wow. When I went for the BBC, I didn't even get New <laughs> not Orleans. When, not when it's all prepaid. I was in Hanrahan, Louisiana <laughs> for the Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, okay, so grab a drink indoors and grab a drink outdoors. So uh, where's the best places to do that? Yeah, to, to, with best bars, best sort of best bars, and then we'll talk about sort of best place to grab a beer outside in the states. Yeah, it's a lot of bars. Jeez. Um, the Hotel Monteleone in New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, um, I'm struggling on that one. Okay, we'll come back to that. Yeah. Uh, what are your favourite stadium? Favourite stadium you've been to? My favourite stadium is probably Shea Stadium. Oh, and, God, know, Shea. For no reason other than... <laughs> Sentimentality. Yeah, because I kind of I became a Mets fan... Thought, yeah, I, I became a Mets fan because it was the first baseball game I ever yeah. saw in in uh, Shea Stadium with the Mets in 1982 were in the middle of like a 21 game losing streak and they got beaten by Nolan Ryan and I just kind of fell in love with them and mm. fell in love with the place so in the States replacing Shea Stadium with City Field is kind of like what they did in Times Square, where, where you had you know the sleazy, rundown Times Square that was actually quite fun to be in, right. and now you've got this kind of shiny Times Square that that's nice for tourists, but it's not actually very interesting to hang around in. Right. Shea had a certain character, yeah. yeah, and I love Candlestick as well. I, mm. I, I covered a game there for <clears throat> for today, and and it was a it was a playoff game against the, the Cowboys, and. I was in the overflow press box area, but the the overflow press box was a table at the back of the end zone, which was absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Wow. And so you actually felt like you were in the middle of the whole game, and it just, just kind of blew my mind. Like so the Spanish announcers table it, at it a was WWF, very much thing. like that. Yeah. So, stru- yeah. so that's, I think it's, it's an interesting question, sort of like from a structural and a kind of vibe point of view. But where would you say is the best place that has a, an atmosphere that really is worth? the hype and there isn't necessarily a team that you support but where you think the fans these guys really bring it um, I mean Seattle is, mm, is, yeah. is, is the obvious answer I've not been to a game in Arrowhead so mm. I'd love to kind yeah. of go to a game there I've but, never you know, been to Lambeau Field but I'd lo- love I to did go, a, I'd to go I've been to Lambeau. Lambeau I did a Monday night game in Lambeau Field um, 
But I did it in the press box, and that's not always the, yeah. the yeah, best sure. point. You know, yeah. I, I mean, and when we take sort of VIPs or, or you know media VIPs out to the, the states, a lot of the time we try and make sure that we get seats for them out in the stands yeah. because you know American press boxes are great if you're trying to write a, a, a 500 word piece on a deadline but they're very sterile mm, and, yeah. and you don't really get a sense of, of what's going on out in the stadium so you can sit in Lambeau Field and it's like you know watching the TV with the sound down right. but you get yeah. out there and it's absolutely crazy mm. so I mean I was at that game in the press box but I, but I made sure I kind of went out and I spent you know, a quarter just kind of walking around the stadium yeah. to experience and it was I was in the press incredible. box for CenturyLink and I've got to say I was pretty terrified right like the way that it shakes yeah like physic the whole stadium physically shakes mm. you just think this is structurally unsound <laughs> and people are going to die and i'm an experienced kind of uh, sports stadium goer but that place is weird and i'm not even sure what it would be like to have been in the stand the one i really want to go to because mm. i'm a nascar fan oh. is is um bristol where it's, yeah, yeah, it has like it's a half mile circuit, so and and it's just like vertical, and yeah. it's like it's like you know it's like it's just a vertical cylinder, and everyone says that's fantastic. What you race there under lights? And, and I'm, I'm right. Excuse my ignorance on this, but when you're watching NASCAR, you can see there's like an inner, there are seats within the sort of middle as well. You can sit in, right? Yeah, the infield. You kind of yeah. you kind of park your Winnebago there, yeah, and, right. and, and you put <laughs> yeah. you put yeah. lawn chairs on the roof of it, and uh, you kind Brilliant. of sit there, and, and you've got all your your, your headphones. That you're picking up all the uh, the, the the crews, choosing which one you want to yeah. listen to. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That actually makes it sound like something I'd like to do. How big the crowds are there? You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. Because, yeah, because the tracks are huge. Yeah, because right. you know you're talking about a couple miles. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, but you you know you get four or five hundred. Thousand people. Wow. Really? Talladega, places like that. 500,000? I have no idea. Hey, Harry, I feel a road trip coming on. (laughs) If Hollywood wins his bet on the Warriors, then we could maybe make it to Daytona next year. 400,000 people (laughs) and only 1.2 million fingers. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Don't miss the American Carnage trailer on the infield at Talladega. Beautiful (laughs) stuff, right? That's probably an appropriate (laughs) note to end the show on. Dave, terrific stuff. Really appreciate you coming down. My pleasure. One more plug for your book, The Girls of Summer. Make sure you buy that Americanish Faithful. That is an order. We'll post, as I say, details uh, about the book on our social media channels. But we're getting out of Dodge. I'm right, Mike. We'll see you same time, same place. Yep, you got it. Uh, Hollywood Dan, ditto. Yeah, I may, I may come back. Well, you should come back. Depends what happens in the next couple of weeks. It's an exciting, fluid, fast-moving situation. Who knows? <laughs> That's a fair point. You've been doing it for five years, so I reckon you should come back for at least one more show. All right, one Harry, more. don't misbehave too much over the next two weeks. You can, yeah, you can go online and find um, Sky Poker Grudge Match, uh, where I just did that last night, and it was live last night on oh, TV. I'm but gonna it's going to be on online. I get beat. I get oh, beat good. to a pulp. To get beaten up. Brilliant. I'm definitely going to watch that. <laughs> that sounds good. It. That sounds good. Don't forget the All-American Sports Show on TalkSport 2, Tuesdays, 10 p.m. Tune into that. But for me, host Nat Coombs, David Tussler, special guest, Iron Mike Carlson, Hollywood Dan Lowe, and Harry Beth, producer. We've been Americanish. Bye for now. All the jingles you hear on the show were produced by Nikki Spech. Go to nikkispech.com to find out more. The Americanish theme was written and performed by Daystar. Go to daystarband.com. This was an Americanish production.